Welcome to the farm. Today we're talking, you've married a farmer, now what? And my guest today is Julia. Welcome Julia. Hi Katja, thanks for having me. So can you introduce yourself, your family and the farming operation? Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from a cattle and sheep farm near Baraba. Yeah. And then met my husband James and we now live on a mixed farming operation, predominantly cropping. He's the cropping manager, so uh, we've been back here for about 10 years. Um, we have two little boys, five and two, so that keeps me busy. And a little bit about myself, I enjoy horse riding and mainly the livestock, obviously being raised and born and cattle and sheep farming, so the croppings are not usually what I'm into. Um, so I am a teacher by trade and it was one of those jobs that I did because I had the education and training and then decided that after having children I didn't know if teaching was for me. Um, but I have background in floristry. My auntie, my grandmother, all the family love flowers and I started a little side business called The Farmer's Florist. So on that I've been selling cotton and sorghum and wheat to florists and wholesalers and clients and it's kind of turned into a little bit of a business for me which is fun. That's excellent. Mm. We'll yeah. come back to that a little bit later in today's episode as well. Cool. So tell me about the crops that you rotate through out the year. So you've got cotton and sorghum on the place. What other crops have you got? So there's cotton, sorghum, wheat, which are the main predominant ones. They also do chickpeas, corn, canola, um, and anything that's kind of an opportunity opportunity crop. They do barley. Um, so yes, it's kind of dependent on obviously weather dependent. Um, but it is it is great to see that you know it's so versatile. They can kind of depend on soil moisture one year and then maybe not plant the next year or plant something else to help with the soil health or yeah. So and mixed it, farming. So the livestock side of it that you enjoy. What type of livestock um, operation are you having? So when I when we both when James and I came back to the farm, there were um, breeders. So there was just cows and calves. And Andrew, my father-in-law, was you know very traditional in he loves the cattle breeding side of things and then the drought hit and that kind of just proved that it was going to be too difficult so um, James's brother actually runs most of the cattle here and he decided that he'd sell them and so that was easy so it you know meant that during the drought we weren't feeding cattle and spending exorbitant amount of money on the lesser of the income of the farm and then so now uh, we've just gone back to trade cattle um, which has been working for now and the market's obviously slowed down a fair bit of late so we have just got a few more breeders in and we've just been turning them over as well so um, I mainly just have the cows around the hill where we live here and just check on those with the boys and it gives us a little out and helps the rest of the farm while everything else is sticking away doing their thing. Yeah and how do you get the boys down the paddock with you? Well, if we're just going to check cattle or do a water check, we go on the gator or the motorbike quad. Um, and But to go down the farm, we actually have to drive on a main road to get to the farm, which um, I find quite of a challenge sometimes because they're both still in car seats. Um, we do have a little, a little dirt track through one of the neighbouring farms that we can now access, which is really handy. Um, but yes, so it is put the kids in the car, pack them up to go down the farm, which I don't love. Um, my family farm, we at 
Baraba, it's kind of all there together. The tractors drive past the house and it's very, very central. So yep. it has been a bit of an adjustment that way. Yep. We're going to take a short break in today's interview and give a shout out to today's supportive link, Thermomix. Julia and I both have Thermomixes and- What is Thermomixing? It's cooking whatever you want to cook. It's cooking without being able to cook. It's cooking something you've never been able to cook. Like this. Or this. Or that. It's having thousands of recipes at your fingertips. It's whipping up espresso martinis for a hot date, making seafood chowder for the boys, or healthy meals from whatever's in the fridge. Even that? It's being part of a community. It's being connected to experts. It's saving time. It's stepping up. It's creating meal from scratch. It's having your family look at you and say, Wow. By letting you be the cook you've always wanted to be. At the flick of a smart switch. We don't cook. We if you are interested in how Thermomix can increase your productivity and ease on the farm, please click the link below and check out the Thermomix. Otherwise, please send me a direct message or email me to find out more. Now back to today's episode. So Julia, on a daily basis, can you tell me a little bit about the roles and responsibilities you have on the farm and how they've changed over the last 10 years? Sure, so like I said, originally back on the farm just meant driving to town as a school teacher. Uh, that changed obviously a good five years ago when Archie came along. So uh, been at home most of the time, washing, cooking, cleaning, as most of the mothers that know that childcare is quite difficult to get to, so we become the stay-at-home mums, which was fine. I did, I did struggle with the new mum identity at the start. And then once I became okay with the routine and then started doing a little bit of casual work, returning to work on alternate days. Um, but other than that, we are doing the bus run, actually the preschool, and checking water, like I said, for the cattle. I have, we have two horses. We used to play polo cross until the boys came along and then it just became camping was a bit cold in winter for them. So we're waiting to kind of amp that up when they're a bit older. But yeah, so just daily, like picking up sticks, anything outside, we're very outdoorsy. So... I have chooks, I'm a bit of a crazy chook lady, so that entertains us for a while, changing the water, etc. But we do go down the farm and help out, and I mean, if there's vehicles to be moved or if James is doing something a little bit more entertaining than just driving laps <laughs> in a tractor, we'll go and help out. So yeah, it's very flexible and just random. Every day is very random, which I like. Different every day. Different every day. Guarantee on a farm, different every day. Yes, yep. So Julia, your introduction to having Archie here on the farm, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, with our first child, of course, we all don't know how that's going to pan out. So um, if I, it's a bit harsh, but if I refer to myself as a cow, I, I would have, or a heifer for that matter, I tell people that I would have been culled within the first, within the first calving round. I wasn't the greatest breeder, um, ended up with a few hiccups along the way. Archie was, we ended up in hospital at 30, 32 weeks. Um, he was born at 36 and whatever, so he was a prem. Um, and because I'm quite an active person, I really struggled with that, being in the hospital for that amount of time. I had a caesarean, um, Archie was actually breached, so we had a, I had a caesarean, so then that meant obviously that's another six weeks of potentially inactivity but yeah so I did really struggle with the inactivity um, and the uncertainty and the unknown of the motherhood journey 
Um, I'm really blessed that both my mother and my mother-in-law were extremely hands-on and very helpful and um, that helped a lot. But yeah, I really struggled. I struggled with the uncertainty of my pregnancy that then I created a bit of a spiral about being a new woman and not going to work because I didn't have that routine and every day was like just a blur, what am I doing now? So it did take me about six months to actually just settle into motherhood and go, okay, so it's all right to not know what you're doing today. Um, and then I kind of did return to floristry. Uh, my auntie in Tamworth has a florist, so it was just a really beautiful day to, for me to be out doing something for me, yeah. which I found that was really important. Um, and then I, it did take me a long time to mentally feel okay with, I knew I wanted to have another child, but I was really like, oh my goodness, I am scared. And so Archie was actually three when, when Fletcher was born. So um, I'd become my new identity as a mum. So I was really ha okay with that and I was really happy. And then when Fletcher came along, also had a bit of a rocky pregnancy. It didn't take as long. Um, it wasn't as drawn out in terms of it wasn't in hospital for as long. I still had to have a cesarean. However, I felt like the recovery, everything was just a little bit easier because I kind of knew my new identity was okay with being at home and was, you know, like just that transition had been already achieved as such. Yeah. yeah. So um, I do really, I'm very social. I love going, you know, coffee, catching up, sport. When I grew up, my grandparents were 100 metres from where I grew up, so there was always someone around. Went to boarding school, so there's always someone around, like you just come sit on someone's bed. So yes, being on the farm, we're only half an hour from a town, but to me, it's still quite significant when you're at home alone with little people. So yeah, um, just trying to make the time to catch up with friends and family and yeah. yeah. So it um, has been a change. However, I do love it now. Yeah. So it's taken some time. So starting from the early days to now of, of motherhood, were there any key practices you put into place to help you know, the motherhood journey, particularly by the time you came to the second pregnancy? Was there a mind shift change? Was there um, different things you put in place, both for Archie and then for Fletcher, that made that adjustment easier? Yes, um, I did. I did seek help and I spoke to a psychologist and it just helped ease the the burden of being so concerned that my pregnancy would be going down the same track yep. and rather than thinking it was going to be terrible I put things in place that would be if it was to happen how can we kind of make that easier yep. um, but in terms of creating I suppose keeping my own identity and doing what I love, I was aware that yes, I needed to do that one day a week casual to keep me out of the house or I needed to do things, go for a ride or go for a walk or do something specifically that made me feel like me. Spend time with your crazy chooks. Yes, keep my chooks happy, <laughs> keep myself happy. Yeah, so um, yes, just I suppose focusing on what you need and what fills your cup up. And that's kind of where the farmer's florist thing evolved. I found that by going down the farm, cutting cutting the cotton, cutting the sorghum by hand and the wheat, it made me feel like I was still doing my own thing. I was selling it, so I was getting that self-gratification, um, doing all the social media, so I felt like I had a purpose as such, but I was still connected to the farm. So it was lovely because James kind of saw it as 
I was interested in what he was doing and you know vice versa the kids were down there playing in the dump trucks in the tail drain while I was cutting cotton so it kind of was like a way to you know fulfill both of both of my needs and yeah match the farm to motherhood that's beautiful. Mm. <laughs> so when you were seeking help, did you start by seeing a local GP? How did you ask for help? Yeah, sure. So originally my midwife that came out to visit when she was born, when they did the check-ins and ways and things, I kind of said to her, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to cope. You know, like it was kind of through her she was a beautiful well, she still is a beautiful lady and she actually contacted my mum and said oh look let's do something for Julia which was really sweet and we'd met her a few times before so it wasn't like um, I didn't you know think it was a foreign thing or um, anyway so yes then she actually got me into well she obviously referred me to the GP and then we spoke to someone through that avenue which was really great, yeah. Um, yes, so, I mean, it was just really helpful because they just give you so many tools that you don't know about. Um, and once you have those tools, it seems to be like nothing's, well, everything's not so overwhelming. Um, and so that was really great. And I actually have seen one, you know, recently and I feel like it's just a really good sounding board as much as you know it's really great to talk to your husband or you you know I'm really close with my mum and whoever else my good friends it's always just someone else's perspective that gives you tools as opposed to just having an emo emotional investment into it. I see one too. <laughs> good. <laughs> Check-ins here and there. Check-ins are always good. So being here on the farm, either you know the 10 years you've been here or even recently, what were the main surprises and hurdles that you came across? Yes, so like I said, I grew up in a cattle farm and predominantly cattle and sheep. So when it gets dark, you can't continue to do cattle work, can you? Because no one can see, there's no lights. However, I found with the tractors, when it's busy season or when it's weather, when it's going to rain or whatever is predicted and I find the real hurdle for me is that, you know, farm life does not stop and I get really caught up on having to share my husband with the farm. I want him home to help me with the children and to have time with us and we speak about love languages, of course, all the time, and mine's quality time, so I'm like, okay, we need to spend more time with each other and the children, but I get the, oh, but it's going to rain, or this needs planting, and so yes, the challenge there was that the tractors continuously go all night and day, um, yes, so um, another one, I suppose, if I want to be completely honest, is living we live about 200 meters from my in-laws and they're absolutely fabulous get along with them great however at the beginning it was really difficult to kind of adjust to being like where are you and what have you been and i saw your lights are on late last night and so um, in the very beginning we had to set some boundaries and say okay like we have lived out of home for you know 15 years now and uh, i feel like we're back home again, just in a different location. So, which is fine, and we kind of all came to terms with that, and now it's a really beautiful, amicable environment that we help each other out. 
if someone's going to town, you do, hey, you want, do you want milk? I'm doing the milk run, etc. So, yeah, no, that was a hurdle for me. Um, just the privacy side of things. Yeah. We're about 100 metres okay. from my parents-in-law and, and we used to have to be like, we need a time that we're going to start in the morning because sometimes we'd go past, like the bike would go past and the, the horn would be beefing and we'd be like, get up. Yes, yes. <laughs> we've got to get up. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's obviously, it's a very, a very common, common thing. My, uh, my dad also does that to my poor sister-in-law. So uh, I know that it's, it's not an unheard of situation, but yes, no, it's um, it's one of those things. And I'm just blessed that I can say that we all get along really well. I've got lots of friends that have a huge, huge time, a huge time, you know, trying to sort out just how to speak and do things together because they don't get along. So, yeah. What do you wish you knew before you moved to the farm? Um. Like I touched on before, I wish I had more awareness about how straining, if that's the word, harvest is as a harvest widow. Obviously, I didn't grow up with the harvest and cropping scene. So to me, it's just so far from my league that staying at home, when you're used to having someone at home with you when it's dinner time and even prior to kids, it's just like, oh, I'm now home alone and I've been to work and come home and I still haven't seen my husband or, okay, now it's uh, bath time and I'm like, okay, it's just me again, right? So I really do struggle with that concept of just being like, it's just a really busy time, it'll pass and, you know, I get three weeks in and I'm doing okay and then all of a sudden the wheels fall off and I'm like, ah! and pray for rain all of a sudden and get a, get a bit of a time back <laughs> where James is home for a little bit. So, yeah, I suppose just that um, acceptance of really understanding that it's so um, dependent on the cropping season. Yep. Mm. Do you have set phone calls or times that you make when he can't make it back where he chats to you and the kids or do you... <laughs> Have any? Do you sometimes just jump in the car and go and see him? How do you, how do you facilitate yes. that connection? Yeah, the connection. So we usually, so it's good where Archie catches the bus is just past where the farm is. So we will do a drop in on the way home and um, call in and drop off some bickies or whatever we made or go down for morning tea. Um, so we do. Yes, we do try and get our fix most of the time and have a FaceTime here and then if, uh, if evening times he doesn't come home and um, yes yeah, so, I mean it, I make it sound completely dramatic but I think it's just the um, the concept of it I just can't wrap my head around it and we're still you know working for James's family so um, as beautiful as that is it's still a wage I get the I get the really tricky bit between Yes, we may inherit at some point down the track, but it's still James, it's just his wage. It's not his or mine or our actual farm that we're working for. So I suppose that's just a that's a, just a concept that I really have to try and keep working on. Has there been conversations around succession and what that looks like? Yes, no there has. And like I said, we are really fortunate that... Um, we all get along so well that it is really transparent when we speak about things like that and um, 
James's parents are very modern farmers, uh, really open to technology, communication, moving forward. Um, so yeah, there's been lots of small but um, significant, should I say, steps um, towards succession. I think it's just obviously time is the key. Um, but it is lovely because I do have a lot of friends, like I said, A, that don't get along with their parents or in-laws on the farm, but are also, whoa, that's a no-go conversation. Don't talk to me about it until I'm not here. <laughs> so, um, no, there has been some small steps and we've just got to keep, you know, reminding ourselves that it's a blessing to get whatever you get and when you get it. It's just hard when you're trying to make a goal for yourself, I think, is the biggest challenge. It's not that we're trying to get something. Yeah. It's more just what are we working towards. Yeah, those goals. Yeah, the yeah. goals are the, I think, they're the really helpful ways to try and get yourself out of bed, I suppose. Yeah. And how do you go about making sure that you feel comfortable and secure in the meantime? Is there any mindset goals or anything in particular you're doing... Uh, to make sure that you are feeling comfortable in, in where you are? Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, financially, we've, James and I have bought ourselves an investment property, so we, we've kind of got that off-farm income, or security, should I say. Um, and then me teaching is obviously that really secure feeling of I do have my own money and own own kind of thing. Um, like I said, I just love being outside, so I... I don't have a routine. I'd love to say that I got up and did yoga. I'm all about that concept and the morning routine and you read so many things and listen to so many podcasts about how important the routine is. I'm struggling to write in a diary, if I tell you the honest truth. I write in my phone, in my calendar in my phone, so I know what I've got for you know important meetings or calendar things coming up. But, yeah, I just I don't know how you kind of grasp that whole... Boom, I'm doing this, and this is the next thing. And, it, oh, it's 10.15, I'm going to go and stop what I'm doing. And, yeah, no, I've never... And, like, at when I used to work at the... Um, I had an office job before uni, um, and my boss used to come and say, where's your diary and why are you writing in it? And I suppose it's just one of those things. Like, I kind of am a really organised person. If you ask other people, I'm, like, the social coordinator and you know, referred to as the entertainer, but for some reason I just can't get that whole structure of routine of this is our day and this is what it looks like. Yeah. 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 But Which anyway, whatever. Yeah, the flexibility seems to be working for me now, so I just do what I enjoy, to be honest. I love gardening, so if there's something that needs, you know, I just go and pick a bunch of flowers or just, you know, do the gardening because that seems to fill my cup up. You mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes you run some bickies and things down to James. Food on the farm sort of is the, the central hub, <laughs> keeping them fed. Is there anything in particular he loves being sent down the paddock or that you like making to send down? Oh, look, he's pretty happy with anything because it doesn't happen every day. So I think it's a bit of a treat for him. We are uh, Archie, well, and now Fletcher are very fussy eaters, which grinds our gears however that's a conversation for another day but um, with the Thermomix I have a no bake like the pump it's a pumpkin scone recipe but you don't have to actually cook the pumpkin it just glitzes it so hard that it turns into pumpkin scones and a friend came here and introduced it to Archie and said oh these are called cowboy scones real cowboys eat these and so that is how we get Archie to eat some minuscule piece of vegetables 
So, you know, like if there's anything like that, it can be scones or biscuits or like I do like baking and for the Thermomix, it's just so great that, you know, but, you know, pasta or anything that's easy, he's more than happy with. But yeah, there's nothing that's like a regular, <laughs> a regular thing. It's a trial by error at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just when I feel like it. <laughs> yes, no. So it's just whenever I've got time or when I'm up for it or... Yeah. The boys feel like cooking or, you know, let's go down to see Dad. It's kind of just the spare of the moment. We've got time today, so let's do it. Yeah. You also mentioned that, you know, while you're doing your floristry thing and, and cutting some of the sorghum or, or the cotton, that the boys come with you and they play on the farm. When it comes to safety on the farm with the kids, is there anything that you've put in place to keep them safe? Uh, when... Not particularly, that sounds really terrible, but they're generally within, I, like I can see where they are. Yeah. Um, I don't go to the channels that have water in them if I'm um, cutting, if I can avoid it. Um, they just take their jump truck down literally and just go up and down the empty channels. So that's, you know, that's great. Um, in terms of machines, everyone knows that we're kind of down around there. The farm's so spread out that I can see a machine or a tractor coming from a mile away, so I can easily just grab the boys and, you know, pull them aside. Um, Archie's very good at snakes. He thinks they're just like the absolute scariest things in the world, so we're always on the lookout for snakes and things. So no, you know, other than the general, take water and look after yourself while you're down there. There's nothing extremely that's um, a big safety plan. Yeah. <laughs> Previously before on my channel I've talked about a go bag and, and having that for either yourself but also yourself and the kids. Mm -hmm. So is there anything you don't leave the house without or anything you've got in your car in particular for going down the farm or just being on here? So the basics, the nappy and the wipes, yeah. uh, the water bottle, some fruit. But for myself I've recently been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes which has been a side kicker. It, um, I actually had gestational diabetes both times with my pregnancy, so I now am attached to an insulin pump. So the go bag is mainly for me now. It's a bag of jelly beans and some sugar and an apple so I know where I'm at. But on a positive note, a pair of secateurs, uh, they're always in the gov box or they're somewhere that I can be like, oh, that's really nice or I just need a bit of extra wheat or... Um, yeah, so I always buy myself, even at the horse stables, oh, I just wish I had a secateurs because yeah. I need to open a bag. But Archie's now started carrying my pocket knife around from when I was a child, yeah. which he's not allowed to use, side note, when I'm not there or when I'm not standing right next to him. But he loves it because I get somewhere and go, oh, I just need some scissors. He's like, Mum, you can use my pocket knife. So it kind of is a bit of a treat because yeah. he gets to carry it around. But... Sometimes it's really helpful yes. for me. <laughs> so do the kids ride as well? Uh, yes and no. Um, I've got a tiny, we've got a tiny little pony. She's about more ten hands high. Um, she's beautiful. She's actually just been having trouble with lemonitis, which, so she's been locked up for a fair while now. And we finally got her back on track. Um, I found a great farrier. And so Archie's pretty excited about the fact that she's now healthy and, and kick and rider again so it probably lasts about five minutes goes around the block you know 
does the loop, goes to the mailbox, comes back. I'm done now, Mum. Yeah. So, you know, like if you call that riding, that's that's more than fine with me. He is interested in going to Pony Club and I was a Pony Club girl, so like I'm more than happy to go down that avenue and yeah, yeah I'd love I'd love to be able to just go riding and tinker off into the woods and just yeah. do whatever on the horses. So yeah, I uh, when he says I wanna ride, there's always yes sir. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> And do you have any tips for finding the right pony? Oh, good luck. Um, <laughs> no, a piece of advice someone did give me was you need to add 10 years to the child's age to get the right pony. So if the child's two, you need a 12-year-old minimum horse. Um, I think that's the biggest key is that get the safety is worth millions of dollars. Um, you you know, there's no point getting something you think is mediocre and putting your child on it and not being okay because that's just not achieving anything. The kids won't be confident, they won't enjoy it, so your pony will sit there in the paddock. So uh, at the moment, they're obviously exactly, extremely hard to come across. Um, word of mouth, I seem, I kind of talk to the other mums that are in the pony club now and uh, we just fluked this little pony I'd written on one of the advertising pony club pages about a pony and this lady messaged me directly because she must have known our family so it was kind of like if they're happy to know who you are and where your pony's going and vice versa they're kind of happy to you know sell it all but yeah they are hard to come across yeah. Mm. Yeah. being on the farm for nearly 10 years now you would have been through some droughts and some fires can you tell me how that's impacted the farm and and how, what you do yeah, sure. So, um, I suppose the drought obviously was really tricky. We had to cart water to the house, like, you know, most, a lot of people were doing, we were feeding cattle and, well, not too many cattle because we'd sold most, but just the few that we'd kept. And even today I'm feeding sheep, just our six ewes and the lambs that we train the dogs with and um, things like that. So, I suppose just really trying to remind yourself that uh, these things don't last forever. Um, we just got to really pray for rain, hope that it comes shortly and really find a positive distraction. Um, have a hobby that you think, okay, I don't have grass for my horse, but I've still got a horse to ride. Trying to change my vocabulary quite a bit lately of, I have to feed my horses to I get to feed my horses it becomes like I'm in control I have you know like it's a pleasure I suppose or a um, whatever the word is a bonus or something like it's not like I have to I'm not threatened my life is not threatened by feeding my horse it's a pleasure that I actually have a horse to feed yeah. so yeah really trying to change that mindset and I suppose with the fires we were really blessed here that it didn't come near us or on our farm um yes so i mean other than the smoke being around in the air we were pretty blessed that way and the the wet season we're also um not well yes it just it kind of destroyed some of the um water channels and paths of down the farm but we weren't too disturbed by the crops as such because all our paddocks are laser leveled that all run off into the channels or then essentially end up into the river, the Mukai River is in front of our house here. So um, 
I suppose it's been set up over a course of years now to drought proof and rain water proof, if that's a word. Yeah. So Julia, that comes to the end of all my official questions. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share with the Royal Mum community about what it might be if they're moving to the farm for the first time? Any gems of advice? Oh, it's a big question, Katja. <laughs> um, I suppose ooh, moving to the farm, my big ticket is having open communication uh, really trying to prioritise what you need, what you want. Uh, find something you love or can learn to love on the farm. Yes, in an ideal world, my husband's going to hate me, but I'd love to say that we're on a cattle and sheep farm somewhere. Um, doing that every day, in and out. However, that's not the case. I love him. I love the farm because I've learnt to love the farm, I suppose. So the cropping thing is now becoming part of my nature. So, yeah, so um, just really doing something for yourself, even if it is out in the garden for 20 minutes. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. That's right. Well, Julia, thank you very much for coming on today and sp sitting down and speaking with me. If you enjoy these interviews, please click the link below to see previous episodes. Until next time, thank you for joining us on You've Married a Farmer, Now What?